Hey, everybody. Alex Shaw here with your Scott uh, Risk Performance Podcast. I'm sitting here with some swarthy gentlemen today. Um, Jacob Dahlin. 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 That's right. Of Sweden, of Sweden. (laughs) And Michael Mason. Yeah, and that gentleman word is is mighty loose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, right before you know, right before we press record, um, I, I was doing mic checks and sound checks, and and uh, so I got Michael to to uh, to 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 say a few words, and he just breaks out into some rap song. I'm like <laughs> word for word for you know. So who was that, and and how did how did that influence on your life inspire you to become the man you are today? Well, that helped me realize I didn't need to be in the rap business <laughs> real quick. So that's why I started working for a living. So you, uh, Michael, you and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, the company you work for. How long you've been there, and and then we'll we'll rock on from there. Okay, um, I work for Samson Blade and Oil Company. I'm the safety and HR director. I've been there 17 years this May. And um, we are a petroleum distributor, eastern North Carolina, based out of Clinton. And um, we have convenience stores. We have a lubricants division. Uh, we have a trucking company called Waccamaw Transport. So um, we uh, sell a lot of fuels across North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. And uh, try to provide our, our customers in the convenience store industry a good place to, sh- good and safe place to shop. So. so, so you've been there for 17 years, which which means you're a young guy, which means you, you didn't spend too much time in the rap game before you <laughs> found out that it wasn't for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a fast learner. Yeah, <laughs> it don't right. take me long. <laughs> so, what was your uh, what was your background before you came into this role? Uh, you know, prior to this, I really didn't have anything to do with safety or the petroleum industry. I was in sales. Okay. Uh, I worked in uh, for U.S. Sailor for a few years selling cell phones back when they had those big bag phones <laughs> that everybody towed around in their car, and then they got cool with the little flip phone, you know, so that's kind of what I started, got my work experience in. That's really part part two of this podcast is the evolution <laughs> of the cell phone, right? That's right. right. Well, do you guys, Jacob and Michael, you guys have been working together for maybe five, six years or so. Maybe give us uh, the listeners a little background into into that relationship and where you guys started and, and the development since then. Yeah, I think so. If I go back five years ago, well, five and a half years ago, I remember going uh, with Ed Bonkemeyer to um, to River Landing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we had a meeting in the in the conference room upstairs. That was a, my first introduction to mm-hmm. Samson Blade and Oil Company, right? And uh, Back then, so Samson Blaine Oil Company was a new client at that time that kind of came uh, after some, you know, uh, rocky past with a couple of bad rollovers, and 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 we're looking for some additional resources and solutions. Why don't you? I mean, give give me your perspective on kind of how how it was for you guys. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, we had gone through a few years. We had some rollovers with our transportation side. Um, experienced some pretty nasty work comp claims, both with truck drivers and with the convenience store employees. And uh, our mod had got pretty high. It had got up to like one point one seven. And and so we were. We'd hit desperation mode pretty much. We said, all right, we've got to do something different. What we're doing is not working. we got to go a different direction. Yeah. And what was interesting for me, that was, you know, so I just started with Scott back then five years ago. So 
clean slate um, and, uh, and, and a good kind of playground to, to do some things. Um, what struck me back then, though, was that, uh, and sometimes, you know, when you had those triggers, uh, so right about the same time, you also got the, the, the non-renewal letter from the carrier. Right. We don't have to talk about who the carrier was, <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes that kind of happens in the, in the swing of, of markets that, all right, it's been a few, you can't blame the carrier because the, they've been losing money, you know, premium in versus losses out. So their loss ratio was high and they decided, they actually didn't non-renew, they just decided... <laughs> Uh, to triple the premium, right? Yeah, yeah. They say we'll insure you if you can afford it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so that was kind of, um, you know, we come in and then right after we engage is where they they send us the the renewal because we came in midterm. Um, so, but from my perspective, it's kind of a fortunate time because what struck me was everybody the the attention was pretty high. You know this hat. This hit the mm-hmm. ownership pretty hard um, early on. So it was kind of okay. We know we're in trouble, and we are willing to listen. So what was the first thing after? So after we the, that was the introductory visit, and then what did we do after that? Um, we got together. We went through the renewal process, and and you guys found a carrier force. And then um, you and I got together and went and visited some of the facilities. We had That's some right. meetings with different folks and did some ride-alongs. Did some ride-alongs. Yeah, you you got your first ride in a big tanker truck <laughs> <laughs> up here in Greensboro. So, yep. uh, um, and I worked in a in a Handy Hugo store. Yeah, went and spent some time with Handy Hugos, and and then we kind of developed our plan from there. Yeah. I, I'll interject a little bit because um, the the Handy Hugos is is a uh, always reminds me of my my papa, my grandfather. So there's one down in the Outer Banks, um, you know, yep. right there at Route 12. And so he he grew up in Hampton, and um, you know, was born in 19, I think 20. And so uh, when he passed, he was about 95 years old. And he is the type of guy who would see. Handy Hugo's or Handy, Hugo, and he would go in and think that the guy behind the counter was Hugo. <laughs> Hugo. So, <laughs> so maybe that's how so it started. Every, every yeah. time he would go in, he'd say, "Hugo, this is my grandson." <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's you're right. I, I couldn't tell him, you know, that I don't want to break your heart, but that is surely not Hugo. Um, anyhow, a yeah. little, little interjection there, yeah, right? So, yeah. what did, what did the ride-alongs? Um, teach you or show you guys or give you insight into um, well for for me it was great and and thank you michael for kind of being accommodating there too because it was you know instead of for me to go in and and sit and and we formed you know the risk performance team with the executive leadership right was one of the first things that we did but it's really difficult for me to go in and sit down with credibility in front of the executive ownership and, and, and divisional vice presidents and never really known exactly. I can go in there and fake it and say, I know everything there is to know about the convenience store business. Or I can say, I really don't know other than being a customer. So for me to, to for them to take the time and let me, let me take the time to, to learn about the ins and outs, um, 
is important. And it gave me then a, a different kind of background. So when we do then sit in front of the everybody else, okay, now I lo- know a little bit more what it means to stick a tank and to, to uh, you know, the, the possibility of a cross drop for a, for a, for a, a, a delivery driver or how difficult it is to maneuver a big tanker truck in a little tiny parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And yep. the other part, I, I, I remember this, working in a convenience store, was, <laughs> so I'm there, I can't do a whole lot, so I'm mopping, right? And then I'm watching people as I'm mopping the floor, with, of course, with a wet floor sign there. And all of a sudden, the, the pumps stop working. And, of course, the manager, no big deal, they put the, the, the bags on, over the pump handles because of some kind of electrical problem. And if it wasn't one or fifty people that come in and says, "Are the pump not working?" and we have, and the the the, the store manager had to be super calm and super courteous and say, "We're working on it. Be back online soon." And then that got fixed. And then I'm still mopping, and people come in the convenience store, and the and the syrup for the Coke and Pepsi or whatever, you know, runs out. The the bag in the box, right? And how does that factor in when we come to to risk is, oh, we talk about how the best managed practice is for, for lifting these bag in the box. Well, there's not 16 people working in a convenience store, maybe the store manager and a clerk. And there's eight people in line wanting to pay. And then six people coming in asking, when are the pumps going to be up and running? And then we're out of syrup. We're out of Coke. We're out of Coke. And the most important thing to do at that time is guess what? Fix the bag in the box, right? Who's back in some cramped uh, storage room and not necessarily in the most convenient place. So it's a tough job. Yeah. And I've been I've worked in some tough jobs, but that is a tough job. And and long hours and 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 uh, you know and and the the in the the relationship that those guys had with the customers, and there's a lot of regulars, uh, was pretty impressive. And and it proves the fact that, that you have, there's a lot of intellectual capital with the with the folks that are at the pointing end of the stick that are, that are, you know, out there in the trenches. Yeah, so that begs the question, Michael, you know, you've got several facets of, of the business that you really manage from a risk uh, perspective with complexities for each one of those facets, uh, sub-layers of, of variability that happens in the workday of each employee. So how did you manage, you know, uh, dialing in um, y- your performance on all those fronts, and how did you delegate, and what did you prioritize? Um, because you, you have your hand in, a <laughs> in, in transport, in convenience stores, and man, that is a lot to undertake. So where did you start and, and how did you delegate? And, and maybe you can explain kind of who really who really runs yeah. those and your role there. Yeah, well, you know, when we developed the risk performance team, we realized that we were so stretched out that we could I couldn't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I'm a one-man show trying to cover everything from Asheboro, North Carolina, to the Outer Banks and uh, transport all the way up into Virginia and South Carolina. So... And HR. And, and HR. You know, <laughs> they said, oh, let's, let's give you HR, too, while you're at it, and, and, and maybe you'll get busy. You know, so, but uh, when, when the ownership 
when, when losses and how much it was costing us got the attention of the ownership, uh, the president of the company stepped up. He made safety part of our vision, part of where we're going. He mentions it at every meeting. So it starts with him. It starts mm-hmm. with, you know, the president of our company, Haddon Clark. Um, and he took it from there into the risk performance meetings, and, and we said, look, we've got all the different division heads here in this room. You guys are responsible for maintaining safety in your divisions. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to be coming in here every quarter, and we're going to talk about the losses you've had, and you've got to tell us what happened, why it happened, and what you're doing to prevent it. And you've got to have you know, things in place that you're doing to be proactive. So once the pressure got placed on them, that made the biggest difference for us because no division wants to go in there with bad numbers. Right. It's, it's not going to be a pretty day for somebody. You know, so, and and I and I think that that is a um, that is a testimony towards um, how accountability works within an organization, and and a great example of of executive ownership involvement and engagement, and not altering. There's no doubt in my mind that that's exactly how it works when it comes to you know other facets of the business. They call the people together at the boardroom or the conference room and say, hey, we got, you're spending too much money here or you're doing you're doing great here or whatever, but it's accountability and just incorporating that into overall business. And then the realization of, it's probably a, a good time, the realization of, okay, safety and HR is a resource to managing this process and not necessarily looked upon as Michael Mason, HR safety, is running that process. Um, and I think that the, the so it, it, in the beginning, it was a little bit of a new role for them to be in that seat. It was pretty evident, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was an eye-opening experience the first couple of meetings for those guys. But I think that it, it put them, it was no, there was no question from, to them or from the ownership that, your department, your responsibility. And I think that the dynamic changed then to then going from them, from the, from the VP of, the, of, of that division to then go to Michael and realize because of the, and, and really not to downgrade, the relationship that he had built with them over time made it that much easier for them to go and say, okay, help me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, basically what happened was, Instead of me having to track down division heads all the time and say, yeah. we need to be doing this, they start calling me. Yeah. My phone starts ringing. You know, and and so, then Michael calls and, and me, and, and, and so I didn't have to do anything except for be a resource to the team. And we, and we started meeting on a regular basis, and we, we, we put up numbers, and we shined the light on the numbers, and we provided some very basic guidelines on, on really letting the process take it take its um, uh, natural shape mm-hmm. with the, without really interfering too much. And then, um, and we didn't go into too much technical stuff like this is how you got to do it and you need to do this or you need to do that. But what we're saying is we trust that you as a divisional vice president have to manage this process and we're going to be there to help you with it. And we did that kind of offline then with separate meetings with, you know, Frank that was in the C stores and and um, 
Yeah, Michael, let me let me ask you everyone else. Let me ask you what what you see your primary role as because there's some nuance here. Um, we talk about how uh, the president says, "Hey, these are your divisions; you've got to own them." And then, in theory, it sounds great. Like, oh, everybody just accepted it and runs off. We, we've all been around long enough to know. Uh, I'm not totally familiar with you, how you all's narrative played out, but I know enough to know that that not everybody buys in, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, um, the the question is, um, you know, when you've got an unwavering vision for what you want safety to be and how you want to incorporate it. Um, then you need people to, you need a, a leader in that to to be really a sounding board for folks and to be approachable and, frankly, likable and, and just to have natural leadership capabilities because if that's not the case, you just said, well, now they're calling me. Well, if that's not the case, then they don't call you. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did you build up your role and, and what do you see your role as uh, kind of a leader within that uh, department, if you will? Well, I mean, I just um, I stay consistent with the message that you know the company's going here. The you know the president's behind it. This is what we have to do. This is where we have to go, and and they back me up on it. I mean, they they understand that if they're going to be a part of the organization, this has to happen. Mm-hmm. And we're not dealing with employees that've been with us five years, six years. We're dealing with employees that've been with us fifteen years, twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, so their families depend on our company. Yeah, and so. That's that's really where I see it. Yeah, that, that I think that that can't be overstated. Mm-hmm. The need to have leadership backing up, and, and granted, you got to have the right person because if you've got a, a tough personality and a safety role, safety is a really hard sell. <laughs> it really is. You know, there's there's other thing things competing for our time and energy, um, and so if you don't have the right person in that position, it's tough for leadership to get behind that person. And it sounds like there's been um, in your case, a good blend of, of leadership having the vision to say, hey, this has got to be a priority, and then, hey, we also trust Michael to help us see this through and, and to support our our folks, division managers. Uh, and, and if I if I can interject, then I think early on the, the strategy that really was important were two things. One is get everybody to the table, right? And, and that was really um, easy in the beginning because – of the situation that that they're in. They've had that trigger, right? And we talk about triggers in other areas. So they we have their now attention. And and then we reinforce that when we get everybody to the table. And and literally when I'm saying at the ta- table, we're sitting around a conference room table and we're putting up a simple PowerPoint pr- presentation that shows this is where we are currently. Mm-hmm. And Good leaders within the organization, like the owners of so Rogers and Haddon Clark at that time, five years ago, really because they're good leaders and run a successful operation, see that, and we shine the light on the numbers, and and they exert the accountability on those areas, and that facilitates the path moving forward, and and then from there on out, we are supporting individual strategies for each division that may be helping them get better. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I cannot understate or overstate either one um, enough the, the, the importance of having, uh, having that to, to facilitate that, that group around the table yeah. with the numbers. It, it's a team effort, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say 
I'm a I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm a big Duke fan. Love Mike Shashevsky. <laughs> that um, have that the UVA game the other day was what uh, a good excuse game. me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've had the opportunity to meet Coach K several times, and one of the times I got to meet him and spend one on one time and talk to him, he talked about how his vision for his team is, you know, as five separate individuals, you can't accomplish anything, but if you come together. As a fist, as a team, you could strike a mighty blow. Hmm. And that's what we have tried to do and and implement throughout our company. We're a team. This this is not me on my own. It's it's our entire organization. Brilliant. Well, um I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, you know, in light of just the just the the, the heightened awareness towards auto. Um, I know you guys have a lot of facets of your business, but if you wouldn't mind taking maybe three or four minutes and sharing with us some of the strategies you've used, leveraging, um, you know, incentivizing behavior, leveraging telematics and different technologies in your in your fleet to, to really r- improve the ship um, in, in, in many ways. Right. Well, you know, you're seeing a lot of technology now on vehicles coming out with lane departure and uh, backup cameras and backup sensors and so on. That's been in commercial motor vehicles for years. Um but, you know, our ownership has committed to spending the extra money it takes that when we buy a new truck, I mean, uh, we're buying a $250,000 piece of equipment and we're putting our most important asset in it, which is our employee and our driver. So we made a commitment that every truck we buy from now on is going to have all the technology systems that that manufacturer offers. Um, lane departure, disc brakes, automated transmissions, um, collision avoidance monitoring, roll stability monitoring. Um, and as of this year, we're putting uh, cameras in them. So mm-hmm. we are in the process of installing forward-facing and driver-facing cameras because it's, it's all about changing behavior. I mean, when I'm sitting next to that driver, he's going to do his best job he can do. Yeah. But when you got a camera sitting there and, you're, and, and you got, you know, something that can grab events and can see – how he is all the time, that's when you learn yeah. what kind of behaviors you need to change and where you need to coach. Yeah, so that you just said the last word brilliantly, coach, and, and and it's not so much the product, it's the process, how you get to where you want to go. And I think that's, from what I've gathered, what you do really well, which is you take the information, the feedback from all these systems, and, and you've created space to have enough time to go and coach these drivers. Uh, because you can have all the technology in the world, but if you're not leveraging it to, to affect or inform the outcome you're aiming at, it, it's, it is wasted money. Absolutely. <laughs> and when you, make, when you waste money, owners get mad. <laughs> that's right. So, so that's the takeaway. Uh, well, guys, I think uh, we're running up on the time, but uh, Michael, any, any parting blows? Does UVA play Duke again this year or? God, I hope so. Me too. Uh, that'd be great to beat them <laughs> twice in one year, wouldn't that? Well, I'm just going to say go Hokies then. <laughs> well, hey, thanks to everybody listening in. Michael, thank you so much for your You're time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank Jacob, thank you. And, uh, folks, if you've got questions, uh, we will put our contact information um, on our website for reaching out. And um, hope you enjoyed it. We will catch you next time. Till then, take care. Mm-hmm.